High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Grab your Bible, go to 2 Kings chapter 2. We're going to continue this series that we started last week on ordinary to extraordinary. And what we're going to be doing through this series is we're really going to be doing uh, some, some profiles and looking at some, uh, some biblical figures and the narrative surrounding their life and how God took people who were incredibly ordinary and made something extraordinary out of them. A lot of times we read scripture, we read the word, we and, and, and what we do is we read the highlights of people's lives and the miracles and the power and all the awesome things that God did through them and we almost put them on a pedestal and we don't see ourselves whenever we read their stories. Because we read the miracles, we read the breakthrough, we read all of those things, but we oftentimes gloss over the failures, we gloss over the mundane, we gloss over the average that they are. But I want you to know something, and that is this, God can do something extraordinary in your life and through your life, no matter what anybody has told you about your life, no matter what it's looked like to this point, God can do something and will do something and wants to do something extraordinary through your life. Life. A lot of people look at themselves, look at their jobs, their families, their mistakes, and they say, God could never use me. I'm too messed up. I've done too much. I'm too average. But God delights in a couple of things. One, he delights in taking the broken and putting it back together. And God delights in taking people who seemingly don't have a lot going for them in the natural, who maybe grew up on the wrong side of of the tracks, who maybe don't have all the right pedigree, and making something extraordinary out of them and out of their lives. And today, I want to look at one of my favorite figures uh, in the Old Testament that God took and he did something extraordinary through his life, and that is Elisha. When we meet Elisha in the biblical narrative, he is the absolute definition of average. He is the definition of average. He suddenly just kind of appears in the biblical narrative out of nowhere uh, in the life of Elijah. Elijah is walking one day and he comes across Elisha in 1 Kings 19. And whenever he encounters Elisha, Elisha is out in the field farming. He has his oxen and his plow, and he is out working the field. Now, to understand just how average that is in that day, you have to take into account that Israel is an agricultural society. Everything they do is based on agriculture. It is based on farming. That is like the number one primary job in the land, and that's exactly what Elisha is doing. It is the definition of a blue-collar average normal worker he was not some sort of elite he was not necessarily rich he was not necessarily poor he was not necessarily successful or unsuccessful Elisha is just kind of right in the middle he's the every man that's who Elisha is. But whenever we talk about biblical figures who moved in power, in might, in miracles, specifically in the Old Testament, one of the first people that's going to come up when you have a top five or ten list is Elisha. But he was incredibly average. So what happened in the life of Elisha? 
to take him from being this average, everyday, every man to being somebody that we still talk about today in the miracles that he worked and the way that God moved through him. Well, we know a couple things and, and what I really wanna to talk today about because Elisha pops up in 1 Kings 19 and then we don't hear about Elisha a whole lot until 2 Kings 2. There's a lot of silence around the life of Elisha. We don't hear a lot about him. We don't know a lot of what happens in his life. We know one thing, which we'll talk about later, but we do know this, that in 1 Kings 19, he made a choice to follow Elijah. Now, I don't have time to get too deep into this, but what happens is Elisha is out plowing the field. Elijah walks by, throws his mantle on him, and just keeps on walking. And Elisha chases Elijah down and begins to follow him. I believe that what happened when Elisha took that mantle and threw it, excuse me, Elijah took that mantle and threw it on Elisha, that it's almost as if Elisha for a moment saw a picture of what could be if he was just obedient to follow of what God could do through his life and in his life if he said yes to the mantle and the call that God was giving to him. Which, by the way, I don't, I don't want to talk about this too much, but I talk about this. I wrote an entire book, basically, about this narrative uh, called Sonship, the Mantle, the Journey, the Double Portion. I want to teach some out of this today. If you don't have this, I would encourage you, pick it up and read it. It will impact your life. This book is almost 10 years old, which is hard to believe. Uh, but pick this up and read it. If you have it and it's just sitting on a shelf at your house, Get it off the shelf and read it. It'll be a blessing to you. But I talk about this, actually, that mantle, Jewish history uh, and, and, and oral tradition says that it is actually the same mantle that, John the, uh, that John's father will actually wear one day as the temple priest is the same mantle that was passed down, it was preserved. But it's really interesting uh, that this wasn't just some sort of, the mantle was not just some sort of ordinary piece of clothing. There was a weight to it. There was a significance to it. And when Elijah threw the mantle on Elisha, it wasn't just him throwing a coat on him. It was an invitation into greatness, right? He was saying, you may be plowing a field right now, but one day you're called to wear this mantle and move in miracles. Some of you may feel like you have just been doing nothing, but I'm telling you, there are mantles being thrown on you that are an invitation for you to push into something greater and something deeper. Listen, I, I, I believe you should be faithful at your job. I believe you should be faithful to your family. I believe all of that, which by the way, that's part of being extraordinary in today's world. <laughs> being faithful to your family is a big part of being extraordinary in today's world. But I'm telling you, God didn't call you just to live some sort of average everyday existence to make no impact for the kingdom of God. And then just one day you to die and people go, well, he was a good man. Well, she was a good lady, right? And half the time we know when people say that at funerals, they don't mean it anyways. Well, you have to build relationship with people. You have to have an impact on people's lives. You have to actually do something for the kingdom of God and leave a legacy that will outlive you. Second Kings chapter two, we find this after Elisha has been serving Elijah. And we find this in second Kings chapter two, verse one, it says this, and it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Somebody shout Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. 
So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Stop there. I found in my life there's a lot of people who want to be extraordinary. There's a lot of people who want a double portion anointing. There's a lot of people who want to move in miracles and power and might. There's a lot of people who want to have success and destiny released inside of their life. But there are not many people who are willing, or back, back up, let me say it this way. There are not as many people who are willing to go on the journey that it takes to get there as there are people who just want to be there. There is always a journey to get to the destination God has for you. Right, just in the natural, I, went, I was in Knoxville last week, which by the way, we had a great time. Y'all can take that down, I'm gonna be here for a minute. We had a great time ministering in Knoxville last week uh, with Pastor Cole Burks and Resting Place Church. I had just a great time with them. But when Pastor Miranda and I got in the car last uh, Saturday to go to Knoxville, I didn't just snap my fingers and end up in Knoxville. That would have been great. That would have been wonderful. You know what I had to do? I had to get in my car. I had to set the GPS knowing where I was going and I had to go on an eight and a half hour, 500 plus mile drive to get to where I needed to go. There are a lot of people who wanna go places who aren't willing to travel the road to get there. And if you ever want to be extraordinary, there's gonna be a road you have to travel to go from average to extraordinary. And by the way, it's not a quick journey, snap your fingers and you're there. Sometimes it's a long road. Sometimes it's arduous. Sometimes it's not easy. But it's worth it at the end of the day. And we see here in 2 Kings 2, once again, we are silent about Elisha for many, for many years. For a lot, of, a lot of, uh, of chapters of the Bible, we are silent on Elisha. But we pick up here, we see he's with Elijah on this final journey. And I believe what we see in this final journey is a prophetic picture of the journey that Elisha went on to go from ordinary to extraordinary. Right? To go from the farmer to the double portion prophet. It's this journey, and these, these places are not coincidental. They are, all, they are all speaking something to us. I don't believe in scripture things are just done by accident. There is something about each of these destinations that is speaking something about the journey that Elisha goes on in that, in, in those, it's at least a decade, in that minimum of a decade that Elisha walks to go from ordinary to extraordinary. And by the way, getting there takes time, dedication, commitment. And the first place, the place that they begin, they start the journey from this place is Gilgal. Somebody shout Gilgal. Gilgal. Which by the way, dad just on, on Wednesday nights uh, did a series on Gilgal. And if you haven't listened to those messages, go listen because he talks about some of this in greater detail than I'm going to have time to today. So you want to go listen to that. But Gilgal is a place of covenant and cutting. Gilgal is a place of covenant and cutting. In the biblical narrative, one of the first instances of Gilgal being mentioned is in Joshua 5. So a bold, strong, powerful generation has arisen from the children of Israel, which by the way, just, 
Y'all buckle in today. I'm off to preach fast, and I'm going to be throwing a lot of stuff at you. Uh, and uh, so you can go listen to it on the podcast later at half speed to catch all of it. But a bold, strong, powerful generation has arisen from the children of Israel. But before they can enter the promise, God speaks to Joshua, and he says, you must circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. Now, circumcision is a minor surgical procedure, unless you're a man, and then it's a major surgical procedure. And all the men said, amen. amen. Circumcision involves the removing of flesh from a sensitive area. And in the Old Testament, circumcision was given as a sign of the covenant. Can I say it like this? Covenant is the place of origination of a double portion journey. Covenant is the place of origination to go from ordinary to extraordinary. You will never get there if you aren't operating in covenant. I said you will never get there if you're not operating in covenant. You don't even qualify to begin the journey unless you are living in covenant. Let me put it to you this way. You can't become great on your own. You can't become extraordinary on your own. Even Elisha, it wasn't just him and God. He needed Elijah to get where he was going. Can I say it this way? You need the voice of the Holy Spirit. You need Jesus. But you also need leaders in your life to get where God wants to take you. You need brothers and sisters in covenant with you. Because it wasn't just Elijah and Elisha. It was Elisha, Elijah, and the sons of the prophets. You need people that you are in covenant with to get from ordinary to extraordinary. You can't just go lock yourself in your prayer closet and become great. You need other people. You need voices in your life. You have to have relationship. Which, by the way, let me just say this while I'm, while I'm here. There's a lot of people that can start strong in relationship and covenant, but not finish. In 2 Timothy 4, you have Paul talking about Demas, who was a spiritual son of his that was following him. And Paul said, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Demas wasn't in it for the long haul. Timothy was in it for the long haul. Demas wasn't in it for the long haul. The moment that, that what seemed to be a greater opportunity presented itself to Demas, he was out. You can't be opportunity driven if you're ever going to be great. You have to be driven by covenant, by relationship, and by call, not by everything that glitters. Gilgal is a place of covenant, but it's also a place of cutting. This is the... The situation that Joshua and the children of Israel were in, they were called to possess the land of Canaan. There was a promise God had for them, but there was something in their life that would keep them from the promised land if they didn't allow it to be cut off of them. There are things in all of our lives, generally flesh issues. Y'all know what I mean when I say a flesh issue? Something where you go, well, that's just who I am. That's just the way I am. No, it's not. That's a flesh issue you need to deal with. And maybe that is you, but it doesn't need to be you anymore. Because God's called you to be something greater. Don't believe the lie of the enemy when he just tells you that's who you are. 
this is the way it's always going to be, right? If it doesn't look like Jesus, it's not who you're called to be. So there are these flesh issues in this is flesh issue in the lives of the children of Israel that unless they allow somebody with a knife, somebody with a sharp edge. And by the way, God didn't, let me just, this is an aside here, but whenever God spoke this, he didn't tell all the rest of the children of Israel. They didn't come to Joshua and say, hey, God spoke to us. God spoke to Joshua to tell them. Imagine being a 40 year old man and waking up one day. And by the way, they've just seen an incredible miracle when God, uh, when, when, when they crossed the Jordan. So they've seen God move. Imagine waking up one day and they go, hey, listen guys, God spoke to me last night. And before we go another step, surgery time. I'd be going, well, God didn't say that to me, Joshua. And that's what most of us would do today, right? God could speak to me too. God didn't, God didn't speak to them. He spoke to somebody who was a voice in their life to address an issue that needed to be addressed that would keep them out of promise. And oftentimes we run from voices that will address things in our life because we don't want the pain of having to deal with our flesh. But if you don't deal with your flesh, it will keep you out of promise. You have to deal with the issues in your life that will keep you out of the promise. And by the way, we all have had them and have them and continue to go through these processes of God making us into the image of Jesus and us being conformed to him. And that involves cutting off flesh in our lives. But God will speak to people. By the way, let me say this. It's not just pastors and leaders that God will speak to. Sometimes God will speak through your spouse to a sensitive issue. And we get real mad when that happens. Because you can't just go to another house down the road when that happens. You shouldn't. God tells Joshua, make flint knives and cut away what is keeping them from their promise. These Gilgal moments can be painful. I think about them once again. They feel like champions. They've come out of the wilderness. They've seen the Jordan part. They feel like conquerors. They're finally moving forward in destiny. I'm finally beginning to step into what God's called. This is what the words over my life have been forever. And immediately it's like, hey, we got to deal with this. I, I'm convinced that sometimes God will give you measures of victory to build your confidence so that then when he has to address something, you're not just completely broken. Also, let me just say this. When things are addressed in your life, it's not because people hate you. Joshua did not hate the children of Israel. He loved those people. He gave his life for those people. But he loved them so much that he knew if they, if they stayed the way they were, they would never possess promise. The first thing you have to be willing to do in order to go from ordinary to extraordinary is you have to embrace covenant and you have to embrace things being addressed in your life that will keep you from promise. It's not, this is what we want. Can we be honest? This is what we want. Make me great, God. I'm gonna come down to the front. Somebody's gonna lay hands on me. I'm gonna fall out on the floor and I'm gonna arise a different person. That is not the way it works. Those can be moments of of, of origination and initiation, but that is not the culmination of all things. There is a road of allowing things to be addressed in your life. There is a road of walking in covenant with people. There's a road of even whenever, whenever you get called, or, or back up, 
because we don't really call people for meetings. Whenever you come in for a meeting and something is spoken by Holy Spirit to a leader in your life that needs to be addressed and it hurts a little bit that you go, you know what? I'm going to adjust and I'm going to change and I'm going to grow and I'm going to get better and we don't run away because something is spoken that cuts our flesh. Whenever there's a, 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 a sermon that's going on, some of you might be right now, and there's some things being said that you go, I don't know if I agree with. I'm not sure. I don't, that just doesn't resonate with my spirit. That we're willing to actually say, yes, Lord, so be it to me as according to your word. Not get offended and hurt. You can, let me back up. Sometimes the word hurts. There's a difference between being hurt and being offended. Sometimes, here, here, I want you to hear the way that I say this. Hear the way I say this. Sometimes God will allow you to be hurt to heal you. Okay, I'm not saying people, I'm not saying God's going to do anything intentional, but sometimes God will hurt the things in your life that are keeping you from purpose. What do I mean? Your attitude sometimes needs to be hurt. Right? Sometimes your ego might need to be hurt a little bit. Y'all with me? Y'all understand the heart that I'm saying there? I'm not saying God's going to make you sick or God's going to cause devastation. That's not who God is. But I am saying there are things in your life, and this is a better way to put it, that God will allow to be crushed to bring something greater. Verse 2, 2 Kings 2. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him again, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. So after encountering the place of cutting, the place of submission, the place of covenant, they continue on to Bethel. Bethel, once again, looking at what this journey means for Elisha and what it's speaking to us. Bethel is this incredibly historic place in biblical history. Abraham builds an altar in Bethel and invokes the name of the Lord for the first time. That's Genesis 12, 8. The Ark of the Covenant was set up in Bethel. That's Judges 20, 26, and 27. But arguably the person most linked to Bethel is Jacob who would later be called Israel. I believe Bethel is probably more pivotal to Jacob than any other person in biblical history. So what is God telling us? What is the Holy Spirit telling us in the fact that this journey goes through Bethel? This journey with Elisha goes through Bethel. Well, when we first meet Jacob, he's the bad guy. He's the supplanter. He's the liar. He's the heel of the story. Let's just be real. Jacob is a scheming, evil opportunist. Going so far as to manipulate his brother to sell his birthright and to deceive his own father in order to get the blessing that goes with said birthright. Imagine the last thing that you do with your father on his deathbed is pretend to be your brother to steal a blessing. Nobody would look at that guy and go, you know what? That's the line from which God's going to bring about the Messiah. One day he's going to be the patriarch of a nation. Nobody would look at that guy and think that. Certainly not. But after he deceives his brother, he runs for his life because Esau is a, a maniac and wants to murder him. He ends up at a place that's unknown to him called Bethel. And it is there that the Lord speaks to Jacob and he releases this promise. He releases this dream into his life. He says, I am the Lord, your God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to your descendants. The place of encounter 
is what Bethel is. It is in Bethel that Jacob actually has an encounter with God for the first time in his life. And in that encounter, it is the seedbed of destiny. It is in that moment that he says to him, that he says to him that I'm going to give this to you and to your descendants. The Lord releases a dream to Jacob when he's camped at Bethel. God tells Jacob, I'm giving you something greater. I want you to understand this. God's dream for your life is always better than your plans. This was something bigger than Jacob had ever dreamed. If you're going to go from ordinary to extraordinary, first of all, you have to have a relationship and actually talk to God and allow him to talk to you. And you have to allow your plans to die so his plans can live. You have to allow your desire to die so his desire can live. I believe we see a prophetic picture communicating with us. That in the time Elisha served Elijah, Elisha encountered God in a real and authentic way, just as Jacob did. I believe it was also during these times of encounter that he began to see a picture of what God wanted to do in his life. Elisha began to understand and know God's dream. And when you're obedient and you go on that road, God will begin to show you glimpses of what can be when you remain faithful. And I believe every time Elijah worked a miracle, Elisha was nearby. Elijah didn't move without Elisha being close by. And one of the reasons we know this is because the only thing we know, and I don't remember if it's in our text or not, but the only thing that we know about Elisha during this time where he serves Elijah from 1 Kings 19 to 2 Kings 2, the only thing we know about him, because later on the rest of the sons of the prophets are going to go, hey, that's Elisha. Isn't he the one who poured water on the hands of the prophet? The only thing we know about Elijah, Elisha is that for at least a decade, he's the water boy. Man of God, you need your hands washed? Man of God, you need something? He simply was willing to find something to do and serve and own it so that he could be present and see a glimpse of what could be in his future. He knew he was called to wear that mantle one day. So you know what he was going to do? He was going to get as close as he could to the person who was wearing the mantle right now. And if that meant pouring water, and that was, that's obviously the entire identity that everybody else places on him. That's the guy who pours water on his hands. But every time, I believe this, every time Elijah laid hands on somebody and they were healed, Elisha didn't just see Elijah laying hands on somebody. What he saw was his future. And whenever he saw Elijah lay hands on somebody, he looked and he goes, one day God's promised that to me. One day God's called me to do that. I may just be pouring water right now, but one day I'm going to be laying hands on people and seeing them healed. I might just be doing this right now, which seems so mundane and seems like nothing. But when I'm faithful, I'm positioning myself to see my future. Hmm? I think about, I think about many, 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 many years ago before this building was ever built, what what guys are, I don't know who's directing this morning, but whoever's directing upstairs, that's what I did for a decade. Every Sunday, right? Where the cafe is now, I had an office slash video room back there. And for years, every Sunday, I sat and mashed buttons and directed. I'd play bass, 
Sunday morning during worship, and then I would go back and I would direct. And I did that for a decade. And then during the week, my main job was editing TV broadcast and putting it together. And I watched him preach more than anybody else on the face of the planet. It's true. That's right. He said, that's the reason you're so good now. Watched him preach more than anybody else on the planet. And you better believe that in those moments in video room, in a video room, in an editing bay, I could look and go, that's me one day. Hmm? I wasn't doing anything necessarily spiritual, but I was being faithful. And when you're faithful on a journey from ordinary to extraordinary, what God will do is position you to see glimpses of your future. Right? It may be at your job. By the way, this isn't just ministry related. It can be work related. You can be at your job one day where you're just working your nine to five, but you can look at the business owner and go, that's my future one day. Hmm? It can, be, it can be the little things. But whenever you're faithful, you begin to see the future God has for you. Second uh, Kings 2 verse 4, i got to hurry up, says this. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he says, the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Isn't it interesting that Elijah tries to keep telling Elisha, stay here. And Elisha goes, I'm not leaving. This is that covenant thing we're talking about again. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Say Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. You told me. Shut your mouths. We're obviously very familiar with Jericho, specifically the battle, Joshua and the battle of Jericho. If you grew up in church, memories of Bible videos and flannel graphs might rush to your mind. But what does it mean for us? What is this journey? What is it speaking to us that they go through Jericho? I believe if we're willing to look a little bit deeper, it means a ton for us. The generation Joshua is leading as they come out of the wilderness, they go through circumcision, they come to Jericho. They've seen a lot. And now it's their times to be the ones. It's their time to run with the proverbial ball. They've been raised in the wilderness and now this is their time. But God has to make sure that this generation doesn't possess the same weakness, the same problem that the previous generation possessed that kept them out of the land. How does God determine this? God is going to test them. Jericho is the place of testing. And I believe in Elijah's journey, Elisha's journey with Elijah, there was times that Elisha's heart was tested because God will still test your heart to make sure that it's pure before he lets you progress. I'm gonna say it again. God will still test your heart to make sure it's pure before he lets you progress. Jericho is this fortress city. It's strong and mighty. Think about this. The children of Israel that were raised in the wilderness had never seen a wall before. Think about it for a moment. They were born in the wilderness with tents. And now they encounter an actual city. To give you an idea in a modern, a modern perspective, because you have to understand Jericho is probably the largest ancient city at that time. So to give you an idea, it would be like if you grew up camping in the woods your entire life, and then the first city you came to that God tells you you're going to conquer it is New York City. Listen, just going from, 
from, from Panama City to New York City can be a culture shock in size of the city. But imagine having always been in the woods and that's the first place you go. And that's exactly what happens with the children of Israel. They go from camping in the woods to having to conquer New York. This large fortress city. Jericho is more intimidating than any other city in the Bronze Age. And that's the first place God brings them. And then God gives Joshua this instruction. Hey, this is the plan to conquer the city. For six days, you're going to march around the city once a day. And nobody's going to say a word. And then on the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times. The priests are going to blow their trumpets. Everybody shouts and the walls are going to fall. Why does God do this? It seems really odd. It seems really peculiar for God to say, you're going to march around and you're not going to say a word. You know what I believe God is doing? God is testing their hearts. Because you know what the previous generation kept them from conquering was? They couldn't keep their mouths shut. They complained. They murmured. Right? They complained against Moses. They do it as soon as they do it before they're, they, can, they can look back and see Egypt and they're already complaining. Why'd you bring us here to die? You were in, it's amazing how quickly we forget the sound of chains and the crack of the whip and want to go back to the good old days. It amazes me how quickly we forget about the oppression that lived in our life and we look back and go, oh, it used to be so great. The good old days weren't all that good to begin with. They were filled with problems. God's going to test their hearts. Can you keep your mouth shut? Because a previous generation couldn't. Your mama and daddy couldn't keep their mouth shut. So can you keep your mouth shut? Your mom and dad couldn't be obedient. So are you going to be obedient? Because to go where I'm going to take you, you're going to have to be obedient and trust. Now, the thrust here isn't so much you don't need to say anything. The thrust here, although there's times you don't need to say anything. The thrust here is this. You have to allow God to come test the areas in your heart that need to be tested to make sure that you've dealt with them and you've moved on. And God will test your heart. And by the way, if you fail the test, guess what happens? You got to take the test again. When you fail the test, the good news is this, God doesn't just flunk you. <laughs> That's the good news for us today, is if you fail the test, God doesn't just throw you out. He goes, all right, we're going to try this again. But God will test your heart. And that's what Jericho is. We think of Jericho as this great place of victory, and it was. But you know why it was a place of victory? Because they passed the test. You only get victory when you pass the test. And I guarantee you, when Elisha walked with Elijah, there were many times his heart was tested. There was probably times Elijah said things Elisha didn't agree with. I guarantee you there were. You know why? Because they were two human beings. Well, I just don't agree with that. Well, I mean, welcome to the planet. Like, you're never going to find anybody you agree with 100% of the time. If you're married, you should be well acquainted with this fact. That you are never going to find anyone who agrees with you 100% of the time. You can't even decide where to go to eat on a Friday night. And agree on that. And you expect to agree on everything else with your pastor or your leaders. or Huh? I don't like that song they did this morning. I don't like that song. Well, cool. You'll be all right. Somebody else loved it. 
Y'all with me? You have to pass the test. You have to be willing. And you have to be like the psalmist who says, examine me, Lord, and prove me. Examine me, Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. We shouldn't be afraid of the test. You know what a test does? Reveals where you are. A test doesn't make something show up that's not there. A test just reveals where you are. It reveals your aptitude and how far you progressed. We have to pass the test. And by the way, we, we shouldn't run away from the testing. Y'all with me? On the other side of the past test is greatness. Let's finish this up. 2 Kings 6 through 14. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord sent me on to the Jordan. But he says, the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance. Get that? 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them, Elijah and Elisha, at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way and that. So the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they crossed over that Elijah said, to Elisha, ask what I may do for you before I'm taken away from you. And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elijah crossed over. Once again, I said this at the beginning. Anyone can start fast, but can you endure? Can you finish? Being faithful doesn't always afford the most glorious opportunities. However, it's worth it because it takes you from ordinary to extraordinary. Faithfulness is one of the key things that will take you from ordinary to extraordinary. I have never seen anyone who is unfaithful endure and make it to the end. They may have flashes of greatness, but they don't make it through to the end. They have problems. They have falls. They end up a mess because they weren't faithful. Elisha, think about this. Elisha lost an ox or oxen and a plow. But he was about to gain a double portion of the spirit that was upon Elijah. At the end for Elisha, people are telling him, Elijah's about to go. Why are you still following him? That's what they're really saying. His time's coming to an end. Why are you still following him? And Elisha remains faithful. People who go from Ordinary to extraordinary people who remain faithful. People like Elisha. People like Timothy. I have a, they have a quality I like to call persistent faithfulness. You can't persuade them to stop being faithful. You can't convince them to not be faithful. And when we look at the conclusion of Elijah's earthly ministry, Elisha is the only one who follows Elijah till the very end. The Bible tells us 50 other sons of the prophets stand and watch at a distance of what's about to happen. Elisha is the one who pushes in. It was available to the rest of them. They just weren't persistently faithful. They didn't push in like Elisha pushed in. In order to receive of that extraordinary anointing, you have to push more than other people are willing to push.
You have to be more faithful than other people are willing to be faithful. You have to do the things that don't even make sense in your mind sometimes. The things your flesh goes, why are you still doing this? You have to continue to do those things to go from ordinary to extraordinary. Because it would have been really easy for Elisha to be like, I've been pouring water on this man's hands for 10 years and I ain't laid hands on one person. I'm out. But he doesn't do that. He pushes in. And when everybody else is like, he's about to go, he goes, as long as he's here, I'm here. As long as he's here, I'm pushing in. And when you walk in that mantle, when you walk in that relationship level, hear this. I want you to hear this. Your relationship level and your pursuit level will ultimately determine at the level you receive. Because the sons of the prophets got to see great miracles, but Elisha received a double portion. Because he pushed in deeper. He pushed in deeper. It's fascinating. The place where Elisha receives that double portion is Jordan. It's not some sort of coincidence. The, 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 the Jordan's the same place that Joshua first leads the children of Israel after Moses died. It's a place where Joshua picks up the mantle of Moses and keeps going. Jordan means this, to flow down. In the place whose name means to flow down, there is an anointing that is going to flow down from Elijah to Elisha. Because as Elijah is pulled up, there's an anointing that flows down to Elisha, right? As Elijah is pulled up to a new realm, there is an anointing that flows down to Elisha. And there is literally a double portion mantle that Elisha receives. Because if you go and count it biblically, and I have, there are literally double the amount of recorded miracles in the Old Testament that Elisha does than Elijah. It wasn't just a double portion in name. It was a double portion in manifestation. It was a double portion in power. It actually meant something. And the only reason that Elisha gets it is because he's faithful. He goes from ordinary to extraordinary. Why? Because he operates in covenant. He allows things to be addressed in his life. Right? He allows God to test his heart. He remains faithful, and then God begins to move and do something powerful and mighty and extraordinary in his life on the other side. If you want to go from ordinary to extraordinary, you have to embrace the journey. You have to walk the road. You have to say, not just lay hands on me and everything's going to be great. You've got to be willing to walk that road from ordinary to extraordinary. And whenever you do, whenever you embark on this, there's going to be times people tell you, you need to quit. But you don't stop. You stay faithful and you watch what God does in your life. Will you stand up to your feet? I want you to lift your hands to heaven this morning. I want you to pray this with me. Say, Father God, come on, shout it out. Say, Father God. I thank you this morning that you are taking me from ordinary to extraordinary. I embrace the process. I embrace the journey. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful. Even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, even when it seems like things aren't going my way, I'm going to remain faithful. And just like Elisha, you are going to take someone average. You're gonna take someone ordinary and you're gonna make me extraordinary. And I'm gonna leave a mark and I'm gonna leave a legacy for generations to come. I will fulfill purpose and destiny in Jesus' mighty name. Now, if you believe me, can you give the Lord a hand of praise and give him a shout this morning?
Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.